So I know that the lawyers that are going out there and enforcing employee rights and consumer rights are doing good in this world. I have no question about that. It's a righteous cause. It's a righteous statute, but I'm sure that there's been abuses of it. I'm sure people have gone overboard with it and that's gotten the conservatives or the business lobby to rally behind it and and rally in opposition to things like PAGA. Hey, this is Sean Kernakin, and you're tuned into Civil Action. This is the podcast of Cabotech LLP. We're a firm in downtown LA that does a lot of different work on the plaintiff side. And we put this podcast on so we can share with you what we are learning about the law. Our weekly podcast is dedicated to important topics for lawyers and issues in the law. We have guests. We talk about recent cases. We talk about trends. We talk about practice areas. We try to help people be better lawyers and learn about the law. In some ways, you can look at this as a 15 to 20 minute law school class each week. We're back. I know people are excited about that. All eight of our listeners. So, uh, there's eight. Wow. The audience has grown. Yeah. It's well, grown. your parents, my mom. That, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Our wives. Yeah. Well, welcome back, everyone. So we're doing this one about PAGA, which is the Private Attorney General Act, but more specifically, what is going to happen with PAGA in the wake of the Viking River Cruises case that the Supreme Court recently heard and issued an opinion on. Um, And it's an interesting development. Uh, PAGA has had a very interesting judicial, legislative and judicial history, and it's going to have an interesting one. So we're going to talk about what that opinion said, what that opinion does, and what it means for the future, and where we see it going. Anything to add to that, Brian? Anything constructive you want to add? Well, it's a hot topic right now. And I yeah. think that after the initial decision came down and the dust settled, people started looking at this saying, scratching their head, trying to figure out exactly what it meant. Not exactly a home run game seven of the World Series for the defense or for the employers in the state of California. And certainly not a win for the plaintiffs either, but not a complete loss for the plaintiffs. So, Sean, why don't we just start by going back in time to PAGA itself, which is about... 20 years old at this point. And oh, wow. PAGA was initially introduced and signed into law by the governor in the early 2000s to allow employees the right to bring a representative action against an employer on behalf of the state of California. So it was differentiated from a class action. I know some of the people listening to this know this already, but differentiated from a class action where a class action is brought on behalf of Greek employees. This is brought on behalf of the government of the state of California in place of a class action and for the benefit of those aggrieved employees where there are specific labor code violations. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like an enforcement action. It's meant for private citizens to act on behalf of the state, step into the state's shoes and try to impose penalties upon employers that violate the labor code. And the way it works functionally, I'm sure many people know this, but functionally the way it works is whatever is recovered through the PAGA action or the PAGA component of another action, 75% of it goes to the agency that handles the labor and employment matters, the LWDA, and then 25% goes to the PAGA representative and, and the group of aggrieved employees. We won't call them a class because it's different from a class action, as Brian said. Now, before 2010, PAGA wasn't used that much. It was there, but you know, it was certainly there was certainly a robust class action practice in California on behalf of employees. And then in 2010, the United States Supreme Court comes down with a pair of decisions, the most significant of which is Concepcion, that held that an employee 
would be held if they entered into a uh, arbitration agreement to arbitrate the claims. Up until then, the California Supreme Court had said, no, those are unenforceable arbitration agreements. So starting in 2010, mandatory arbitration. Then there was a second case that came along that said that class action waivers were also valid. So you could both as an employee waive your right to bring a, a, a class action and uh, appear in court, right? So and, you had to arbitrate the case. And PAGA presented a I won't call it a workaround, a protection that's sort of filled in, acted as a gap stop or a gap filler when those cases came down. And under PAGA, you'd be able to allege a PAGA claim as part of your class action or bring a standalone PAGA case. And that would prevent the case from getting kicked to arbitration. Obviously, that and that issue, whether or not it prevents it from going to arbitration, was litigated and went up on appeal. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, 2014 or thereabouts, the Ascanian case came down. From that the California Supreme Court. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And the and California Supreme Court said it is not an arbitratable claim. Yeah, if you have Paga alleged as part of your case, you can't send it uh, to arbitration because the individual is standing in the shoes of the state of California, of the, the, the attorney general, of the enforcement arm of the state, and they never signed this agreement. They never agreed to be bound by this, so you're not able to compel that to arbitration. And that sort of issue there, that and the Federal Arbitration Act and the uh, – rift or the need to reconcile the two is what led to this Viking river cruises. Right. And it, uh, but I will it, mention that in the meantime, there became a cottage industry for the last decade or so in California of lawyers bringing PAGA actions. So absolutely, absolutely. as soon as you find out that an aggrieved employee comes into your office and says, Hey, I have this labor law, wage and hour violation, whatever it might be. Then you find that there's an arbitration agreement. The next thing you do is you go, well, that's fine. I'll just bring it as a PAGA action. And there's PAGA action. There's been all kinds of litigation decisions about the PAGA actions, but it really led to the Supreme Court last year granting cert in this case, the River Cruise case, the Viking River Cruise case. And that's what led to this decision that came out in uh, June of 2022. Yeah, came down June 15. And so the issue there was trying to reconcile Iskanian or testing the validity of Iskanian, whether or not... Now, before go, go we get ahead. into that, though, sure. a, 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 in the last you know six or seven years, an important thing happened. It's called Donald Trump being elected president and him having three appointments on the United States Supreme Court, right? I mean, that has to that has to factor into any discussion. Yeah, I think the ramifications of that are going to become more and more apparent for for generations, plural, to come after Brian's time, after my time, even people are going to feel the ramifications of that. But maybe not so much in this decision because it was an eight to one decision. The only outright dissent was Clarence Thomas, who simply doesn't believe, and he's he's opined this in other decisions, that the Federal Arbitration Act, which is what Concepcion and its progeny were founded on, that the Federal Arbitration Act doesn't apply to the states. At all. He said that in, in other opinions on similar issues. So the question here, ultimately, that the Supreme Court was looking at was whether or not Iskanian's holding that contractual waivers of PAGA claims of representative actions are invalid, whether or not that can survive or whether or not that is pre preempted by the FAA, the Federal Arbitration Act. And ultimately, they, they said, yes, it is preempted. Iskanian's holding that you cannot waive the right to bring representative actions is preempted by the FAA. 
And that's what the whole thing said. But it didn't say it that simply, right, Brian? There's there's a lot more nuance to it. Right. And, and there's a lot more, I can't quite say dissent, but there's a, other opinions in the court where justices didn't add on their name to other parts of his opinion, or they concurred, but they didn't agree with part two. And here's the nuance of it. Here's the significant part is that since an individual who enters into an arbitration agreement, according to the majority, can't bring a PAGA action because it's circumventing the arbitration agreement, but then they go on to say, but technically that person could bring an action as long as it doesn't benefit themselves right. under PAGA to enforce PAGA to act as a private attorney general. And the state of California said that they can do that. They just can't bring it on behalf of themselves. But then- the author, who I think was Alito, isn't that right? Yeah, it was a five justice majority written by Alito. Well, what did he do? Alito says, since that person would have no standing, since they're not bringing an action on behalf of themselves and they wouldn't have any standing, they wouldn't be able to bring the action at all. So you just simply can't. It's like a catch-22. You can't bring the case because you don't have standing. Now, I think right there he confuses Article Three standing with California standing, which shot the other justices start pointing that out. Yeah. For example, Sonia Sotomayor writes a concurrence where she points out that while she agrees with the general holding that the protection provided by Iskandian is preempted by the FAA, she says that only states are allowed to interpret their law. Over here, we're the Supreme Court is not interpreting California law. It's just it's looking to see whether or not California law is preempted by the FAA. So if only states are allowed to determine or, or interpret state law, California has the right to determine whether or not a citizen who's waived their individual claims or their individual claims are subject to arbitration has the right to bring or act as the representative or has the standing to act as the representative. And and, and it raises an interesting issue because if you read PAGA carefully, if you read the section carefully, it never says in there that the individual has to have their own claim. It just says that someone who stands in the shoes of of an employee or someone who stands in the shoes of an agreed party can bring this action on behalf of the people of the state of California. And contrary to that, this is a quote from Alito's opinion on this, the majority opinion, when an employee's own dispute is paired away from a PAGA action, meaning their individual claim is now forced into arbitration, the employee is no different from a member of the general public and PAGA does not allow such persons to maintain suit. So, and then he concludes that the plaintiff in the Viking River Cruises case, quote, lacks statutory standing to continue to maintain her non-individual claims in court, end quote. But that's contrary to California law. Then that's not the end of the discussion either, because the other justices come out and say, wait a minute, you're interpreting California law. Isn't that up to California, California Supreme Court, in one instance to interpret its law and say, well, the California Supreme Court certainly come down with an opinion that says statute doesn't say that. It doesn't say you have to have individualized standing. It just says you can bring this action. A member of the public can bring this action. That's number one. Number two, the legislature could say it, right? The legislature could say an employee acting on behalf of all the other employees 
while not bringing an action from themselves, but bringing it for the other employees could bring a pug action. Well, so going back to number one, your number one sort of exception or thing that Alito didn't acknowledge or should have acknowledged, the California Supreme Court has in fact ruled on the issue of standing when it comes to PAGA, when they ruled in Kim V. Reigns back in 2020. And I think that's a case we've actually talked about on our podcast. So if you want to go back and hear more about that, but that was a case to sort Do you of think put it- people in- keep our podcast like in a little library someplace? They like download it and keep it. They like organize like on a it in shelf folders. Even? Yeah, on a shelf. Like yeah, they real like- to real tape they have on their shelf that says- <laughs> You know, episode 27, episode 45. I was going to say, do, do they burn it to CDs, but record it to a tape? Wow. Yeah, no, they don't do that, Brian. I don't think anyone does that anymore, in fact. So in Kimby Reigns, to put it simply, the issue there was that an individual settled their individual claims against the defendant, but hadn't settled their pocket claims. And... The defendant there was arguing that they have no standing since they don't have individual claims. And ultimately, the California Supreme Court said that you don't lose standing to litigate your representative PAGA claims just because you settle your individual damages claims. That's what they said in Kim v. Reigns. And Alito's holding is directly contrary to that. So this leaves, I think, a very interesting future for PAGA and for the Viking River Cruises case. I mean, I think that the, the Supreme Court, California. at least certain, certain justices in the Supreme Court have a clear agenda when it comes to the arbitration and what arbitration ultimately does. You think so? I'm very certain of it, but I yeah, also I mean, think- I'm being sarcastic, that, yeah. Yeah, thank you. I also, I'm still stuck on the fact that it wouldn't it be nice if somebody out there had a shelf with our podcast on it? That would be weird. That's so like far-fetched that it would be, I'd be worried about that. I wouldn't be flattered. You'd be worried. Okay. Well, I think it would be nice if somebody did that. And if you do that, let us know, because we'd be very interested in the picture. Uh-huh. So I think that though, going back to this whole issue, the, the Supreme Court in California is going to make an ultimate determination on this. But yes, I think the United States Supreme Court has a specific agenda. And I think their agenda has been force more cases to arbitration because they know that the practicality of that is it does away with any threat at all of mass or class litigation. But having said that, I predict what's going to happen. I think this is going to be a hot button issue. I think if it ends up in the legislature as opposed to the courts, there is definitely going to be a move afoot to curb PAGA. What I mean by that is that that there was an initiative, and we probably should talk about this a little bit. There was an initiative that they had collected allegedly 650,000 signatures or so to get it on the ballot in November. And that's enough to get it on the ballot, right? No, I don't think it is. And you have to remember, whenever you collect signatures, a certain percentage of them are going to be wrong. They're going to be phony. They're going to be incorrect. They're going to be inaccurate. So if the requirement is to collect 900 signatures, for example, most people say collect 1.3, 1.5, something like that. You have to get a cushion in there. So it didn't look like it was going to get qualified anyways. But they said they're still submitting the signatures now with the intention of getting on the 2024 ballot. So what the legislative fight that I could see happen is – you know, the progressives in the legislature are going to be like, okay, we want to make this happen. We want to give a path for PAGA to go forward with some legislative fix. But the moderates and the conservatives are going to come back. And remember, there are those in both parties now are going to come back and say, well, no, okay, maybe that's deal, but we got to curb back PAGA to some extent because, you know, look, look, let's be honest about this. There have been some abuses of PAGA. I'm always troubled when an employer takes advantage of an employee. Similarly, some of the ticky-tack type violations can be very ticky-tack. You know, your pay stub wasn't exactly you have the right information on it. Well, especially when they're aimed at like small businesses, mom and pops. And look, look, I'm not saying that the plaintiff's bar is like this or the majority. I'm sure it's a select 
rare group, but there are abuses. And unfortunately, those abuses stick out more and they get made an example of as opposed to the good that statutes like this allow plaintiff lawyers to do. So I know that the lawyers that are going out there and enforcing employee rights and consumer rights are doing good in this world. I have no question about that. It's a righteous cause. It's a righteous statute, but I'm sure that there's been abuses of it. I'm sure people have gone overboard with it and that's gotten the conservatives or the business lobby to rally behind it and and rally in opposition to things like PAGA. So I think that's right. I think maybe they won't have it on the 2024 ballot. And I, I don't think they are, right? They've come out and said, they're not going to have that initiative on the 2024 ballot, right? That it could very well be on the 2024 ballot. Oh, it could. Okay. It on the right. And my whole point, Sean, is that they may use that as leverage to get a deal. And the deal may be to, to restrict some aspect of PAGA or not make it apply to small businesses or something like that. Incidentally, I want to mention that there's a decision on the 4th DCA recently that could be interpreted to hold that PAGA yeah. does apply even after Viking River cruises. And it could be interpreted to say that they're saying, the case, by the way, is called California Business and Industrial Alliance versus Becerra, who was the former attorney general of the state of California. And the issue in that case is that PAGA does have representative standing because they're also bringing it on behalf of the state of California, the labor department in the state of California. So interesting decision. Take a look at that. This is going to continue to be litigated. As well. What was the case again? Say it again. So people can hear California it. business and industrial Alliance versus Becerra. It yeah. came out of the fourth DCA, the fourth district court of appeal. So let's see, we've talked a little bit about well, we've talked a lot about the decision, of the Supreme court Viking river. We've talked a little bit about the, possibility that there'll be something on the ballot or that there'll be some legislative changes. I don't know what those legislative changes will be. If you're asking me to predict it's going to be some restriction on smaller business and some restriction on ticky-tack type violations, maybe. I don't know. Do you think think they'd get traction with the ballot initiative to eliminate PAGA? I do not. I think that they would have a very hard time getting it passed because I recall seeing the title and summary. That's the title that the attorney general of the state of California assigns to legislation. Yeah. And it was terrible for them. It was like <laughs> an act to restrict employees' right to seek redress in court. I mean, it was something as crazy <laughs> as that. That's and good. I mean, that's what happens when you have a progressive attorney general who is willing to work with the trial lawyers. You know, fair disclosure, I was the president of the Consumer Attorneys of California a little less than a decade ago. So they have influence there. And besides, that is what it's trying to do. I mean, it basically gutted the, the proposed initiative, gutted PAGA. So, but I still think that there might be some legislative fix because rather than facing an initiative where the trial lawyers would have to raise a lot of money, they probably would be willing to make a compromise if it's a fair compromise. So, so, so we'll talk about w- would you say PAGA is kind of kind of safe for now? It lives to see another day at least. Well, I yeah, I predict that that's right. But I do think there's a gappy issue here that's worth talking about, which is if the Supreme Court came down, the California Supreme Court came down with a decision that said, no, you don't have representative standing, which I don't think they will, but they could. If they came down with that decision, no, you don't have representative standing if you're bringing this on behalf of yourself, and since you can't bring it on behalf of yourself under Viking River, you're only bringing it on behalf of the client. You don't have representative standing. Those cases are gone. Yeah, All those true. cases could be thrown. So that's a possibility. There could be that's that true. gap there until the legislature does something. On the other hand, the Supreme Court could come back and say, no, you have perfectly legislative standing. Yeah. This fourth DCA case that I just cited, California Business and Industrial Alliance versus Becerra, could be held to be the accurate interpretation of the law. So having said that, I want to pivot 
to another PAGA issue in our last couple of minutes, Sean. Yeah, another opinion just came down, but this one from the California Supreme Court, it, the opinion is Estrada versus, no, sorry, it's going up to the California Supreme Court. It just came down for the Do you know the, the difference? DCA. Do you know the difference? Slight difference, right? Yeah. I think one's in Sacramento, the other one is spread throughout the state. But no, all kidding aside, it's Estrada versus Royalty Carpet Mills, and it came out of the 4th DCA, and I think the Supreme Court has granted a review on it, so spoiler alert, so the Supreme Court is going to hear it, because it is, there's a split Yeah, it's a direct conflict to another conflict. Yeah, yeah, it's a direct conflict with another case that came down, the Staples case, and it has to do with the issue of manageability. And we've talked about this as well on the podcast. So if you want to pull up your old civil action podcast, you can go back and listen to the Wesson one, W-E-S-S-O-N. I believe we covered that. If not, that be on the shelf? Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Go go to the shelf, pull it out, plug it in, you know, for old time's sake, listen to some of the oldies. No one's ever going to do that. No one's going to go back and listen, but you never know. But if you want to hear about that, I believe we talked about it. It was called Wesson versus Staples. We did. And that case held that for manageability issues. Too big or, to sue. It's what I call the too, too big yeah, to that's sue right. decision. Too big to sue. If the PAGA case you've brought is, is not manageable, then the court can just throw it out. Can just say, this is too complicated. We can throw it out. That's what that case held. That was also, what, what DCA was that out of? Do you know? Do, do either second. of us know? The, the, the first second decision case. was out of the second. I'll take your word for it. And the decision that was in conflict is out of the fourth. That's right. The Estrada case is out of the fourth. And the Estrada case said basically the opposite. It said exactly the opposite. Let me yeah. be clear. It said exactly the opposite because what it said was you can't say that because a PAGA action is brought on behalf of the people of the state of California and the AG doesn't get his enforcement actions kicked out because the defendant's too big to sue. You know, you do an audit, they can do an audit, they can go look at this, they can. And so they're in direct conflict. So the Supreme Court is going to resolve that. You have any predictions, Sean? I think it'll resolve in favor of Estrada's holding. I think it'll resolve in favor, which held that a court cannot strike a PAGA claim based on manageability because I think that's the correct interpretation because first of all, I, I think there's a fundamental due process issue. You know, there is a claim here that's being brought. If it survives demur, you know, moves on, why can't you put on the case? And I think you were just saying that, Brian, I don't listen when you talk anymore. So maybe you were saying this, but if this statute is for the purpose of allowing private citizens to act on behalf of the state, it's like it, it's like bringing an enforcement action. If the state brought criminal charges or an enforcement action against a defendant, an employer, or anyone, they would a valid defense wouldn't be, well, Your Honor, this is too complicated. There's too many moving parts. It's not manageable. Let me go. You know, I, I think it, the only way the Supreme Court could find the manageability issue is to gut PAGA, and I don't think they're going to do that. I mean, I think yeah. they'd have to say, because they'd have to say, well, the Fourth District's right. It is an action brought on behalf of the people, but it's not really being on behalf of the people. So PAGA doesn't really apply. So I think it would be very hard for them to do that. I mean, I agree these manageability issues are complex and probably something we talk about in another podcast where we simply talk about manageability of class actions in general, because what the defense loves to do is throw everything against the wall and say, you never, it's going to be a 12 week trial, a, a, yeah. a year long trial. Which there has to be ways, you know, around that we could. Yeah, statistical sampling, summarizations instead of presenting a whole, you know, set of records. There has to be a way around it. I mean, it's the only fair way. So your your prediction is kind of the same as mine, right? That they're going to go with the Strata holding that this manageability. Yeah, they're probably going to have to be there. 
they're going to have dicked in there about how it could be managed or that audits could be done or something like yeah. that. Experts I was hoping you'd disagree with me so we can bet on it, but I guess that's not going to help. No, it's not. Um, and I think we've come to the end of our PAGA discussion. I think that we've probably spent enough time. I hope people that started listening are still listening because it is a hot button issue. It's going to continue in California. Yeah. And I appreciate people listening in. This is a civil action. I'm Brian Kabatek. And I'm Sean Kernikin, and thank you for tuning in. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any feedback or you want to talk about these issues, look or us up. Or complain about Sean. Yeah, or thank us. Thank Brian for putting you to sleep with this podcast. You know, I heard people do that now, too. It helps them knock out. So. Like a wave machine? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Just droning noises, yeah. Hey, thank you for listening today. We really appreciate it. This is Brian Kabatek. You can reach me at bsk at kbklawyers.com. And I'm Sean Kernick, and you can find me online at sk at kbklawyers.com. And as you might have guessed, our website is kbklawyers.com. You could find us on all social media platforms at Kabatek LLP. We like putting on the show. We appreciate you listening. If you can go online and like us, give us ratings, follow us on all the different platforms. If you know someone that practices in a particular area and you, you think they might find this useful, feel free to share it with them and feel free to reach out to us. If you have any questions, if you want to bring an interesting case to our attention, you have a potential case you want advice on from us. We'd be happy to help you out if we can. And we'd love to hear from you. Thank you.